Hello, dreamers. Welcome to the Dream Stream podcast and YouTube page. This is our dream group with myself, Yiska Cook, and our friend, Brendan Merritt, um, two dream workers who want to share the interest with all of you. So, Brendan, you said something about dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I had a dream last night, um, which I actually didn't get reminded about until I saw a Facebook post that um, somebody had about dinosaurs. And I was like, oh, crap, wait, I had a dream that involved dinosaurs last night. Wow. Um, so in the dream, um, I think I'm moving into a new apartment, which is something I'll be doing very shortly in real life and it feels like it's a condominium type place like a newer building and it's got one of those like porches where you know you have like the sliding glass doors and you walk out in onto like a wooden overhang okay and i'm looking down across to there's like a hedgerow between the property that the building is on and like what appears to be like a field or a farmland or something Okay. And grazing there, there's like a family of stegosauruses. Really? Yeah, which are the ones, they've got like ridge backs, they're herbivores, and then they have the long spiky tail. Yes. And I say it's a family because there are several of different sizes. There are obviously adults and then a few young ones. And they're grazing. And I'm like, wow, check this out. And I'm like, there's other people in the apartment with me. And I'm like, you know, motioning people to come take a look and we all get out and as we're up there looking one of the adults Pegasuruses starts lumbering toward the building and oh. curious about us and I'm like oh wow and I'm like well you know we're three stories up there's nothing to worry about um, but there's what appears to be like a heavy wooden ladder going down from the overhang to down where they are Okay. and Part of me is like, you know, wanting to go down and get a picture of them. I don't remember if I do that or not, but at some point, either after that, I guess, if I did go down to try to get a better look at them and pictures of them, um, the, one of the adults, I'm guessing the mom, um, moves toward the building and starts to like, gets to the ladder and then starts lifting itself up on the ladder. Oh no. Yeah. Whoever knew I, a Stegosaurus could climb a ladder. Right, and it's not even really climbing. It's just kind of lifting itself up on its hind legs, probably the same way it might do to reach vegetation in a high tree. And I can see it open its mouth and it's got sharp teeth. Wow. Oh wow, yeah, this is not cool. Um, and there's like a sense of danger at that point. Yes. I think I retreat. And that's really about all I remember of the dream. Okay, I'm with you. I just see my inside cat outside on my back porch. I'm going to open the door for her. Okay, which one is it? Uh, Bobcat. Hey, Bobcat. Here. Yeah, unfortunately, I know um, where Jessica lives. There's a lot of... Bob! Bobby! Bobcat! Outside cat Kitty. or inside cat? Baby girl. 
come in. Outside there at all, unless they are wanting to become road pizza, which we don't want to happen to any kitties. But other than that, the neighborhood's really quite nice. So I don't know where you all are in internet land, and I may know some of you, I may not. And I just hope all of you are weathering the storm as well as can be. Oh, looks like she's got a little earthquake going on. Um, we actually had a tornado warning in upstate New York here the other day. Um, it was very odd, like right around 7.15 to 7.40. So sorry, Brendan. All right. Um, I'm here. I'm just not up at the, in at the moment. So, um, that's a crazy dream. Do you remember how you felt when you woke up? Um, from the, well, I didn't, I didn't wake up from the Stegosaurus dream. I oh, okay. To sleeping. Um, so I don't, I, when I woke up this morning, it was kind of rather suddenly. I woke up a couple of times. I woke up at like 3.30 and then 6.30 got up, used the restroom, went back to bed. Yes. Um, it took me a little while to get back to sleep, but then I slept until like almost 20 after 10. So I think I'm doing some catching up on sleep. Yes, yes. I've been, you know, waking rather early on a lot of days and then working long days. Yes. Yesterday was like a, you know, like a 12 hour day, usually. Um, yeah, wow. So, um, so when, what other dreams do you feel like your dreams were part and parcel with each other? Does it feel that they're connected in some message or something? Well, the dream I had with the black hand in the sky. Yes. I, I was reminded of that yesterday when we had the tornado warning. Oh, yes. I was actually out shopping when that came. Oh my gosh. And I could see the black funnel cloud like tracking. Like, no way. Oh yeah. Where, where, where did you see it? Um, it looked like it was, I want to say it was a little north. It was almost directly online. Like I was in the Tops parking lot facing Tops. Oh my gosh. Literally like looked like it was directly <sighs> online. Looked like it was coming this way and then it started tracking southeast. Oh, wow. And I was yeah. like, oh, crap. I Everybody got the warning, right? We got the oh, yeah. tornado yeah, warning, and then I, I had to look up again, which is worse, a watch or a warning. And then, and then I see if it's a warning, shelter, and let's like get to a safe place. It's yeah. like, and well, I, we, we had, had a warning. We, we had, had a warning. It was, a, it, was the, it, was, it was a harsh one. And we just had sat down for dinner, and like, Levy's like, you know, we have to go downstairs because he's smart, but um, we were just watching for like the sky to turn green, you know. Green? Why green? That's, I, I once saw a tornado in Accord, like like far down my street, County Route 2, and the sky was so still, like the calm before the storm, which it was yesterday as well, and um, the sky actually turned green. Huh. So I just assume that that's a common yeah, 
I've never heard of that as a common sign. Okay, so shoot, we were looking for the wrong, the wrong indication that we had to yeah, go down. What, what I was seeing when I was driving south from Kingston, because it seemed to track through that area, and when I was in Kingston, it was saying like Kerhonkson, Ellenville, yes, and then possibly New Paltz, but there was strong wind in Kingston just before we got the warning. Yes. And then as I came further south, I could almost see like the line, like up ahead of me going south on the throughway, blue skies. And just above me was this mass of like super black clouds and wow. lightning were coming up behind me. Wow. And that, by the yeah. time I got to New Paltz, when I turned into the off slot, I could see what looked like, you know, a bunch of circular rotating clouds like, wow like dark black yes appeared to be like streams of rain coming down from some of them and right definitely was like looked like it could have been directly online with us except it crashed wow. southeast and oh my gosh Doppler radar on my phone i have to tell lev he was so was, worried <laughs> yeah and it eventually tracked southeast and kind of followed along the river and it probably would have like gone oh. along 9w oh wow Newburgh and god knows where it happened i wonder if like putnam county had any orange any, county did because orange county yeah, oh right oh orange that's that's the west side of the hudson yep okay wow so um yeah that that's crazy right you just had that scary dream i think you were saying that last podcast too you were saying people are saying to you oh you're having crazy dreams because of corona and you're yeah. saying no i i have vivid you know yeah. in living color dreams so i feel my feeling is that your scary cloud dream was precisely about this yeah I, i've had um premonition dreams of things before yes I, you know, this is probably one of the best reasons to keep a dream journal because you yes. can line stuff up with current events. Exactly. What I think for me, what it feels like happening is that I'm probably tapping into, you know, the uh, anima mundi or, you know. Yeah, the, the, the world soul. <laughs> and the, the collective unconscious. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Previously, a lot of them have been about man-made events. Uh-huh, um, yes. I remember, like, when there was a huge tsunami in Indonesia. Yes, um, on cri Christmas time. Yeah, I had uh, premonition dreams about that. Yeah, um, yes. I also, I, I, I did as well, yes. I was equating them to, you know, past life experiences. Oh, wow. Maybe at the time. I was thinking... The influx of water, the high emotions, you know, is maybe taking it too symbolically and not um, actual. I was as an actual warning of this, this can come and sweep away too many people. Yeah. And I think the other times I've had those kind of premonitions were related to war outbreaks like i had a bunch of yes stuff come up for me right before 9 11. yes um dreams about like war in the middle east and Israel yes 
Yes. Right before 9-11, I had dreamed of these pilots who like kidnapped these children. It was, it was very, you know, I, the Talmud teaches nothing befalls an individual that hasn't already happened in a dream. So of course it wasn't exactly the scene. I didn't have, you know, planes flying into towers, but, um, but some people did. I think, I think um, Heather from the Center for Symbolic Studies Dream Group did actually. I think so. Yeah. yeah oh no, Barbara. it wasn't. It was Barbara. It was Barbara. Oh, okay. Barbara Hebert. Oh okay. Yeah, she. I remember she had a dream with like ash falling, and uh, yeah, and like really first responders and the ash falling crazy what we can what we can pick up and say yeah. again the mundi what did you call it the axis mundi anima mundi, anima mundi. yeah which means soul of the world yeah love it I think Jung uses the term a lot um i don't know if he coined it or not but it's latin obviously yes yes um, there is a famous philosopher whose name i'm probably going to slaughter um, <laughs> here who, uh, oh, Giardin. Yeah, who he's actually buried um, on, I want to say it's the grounds of the uh, the Culinary Institute. Um, Is that right? He used to be part of one of the brotherhoods or friarhoods, and he was a priest. But his concept of it was a little bit different, and it's been related um, at times to the idea of the internet. Um, and his term was a neurosphere, which I think had more to do with, you know, this idea of like a global consciousness and networking. Yes. Yeah. So interesting. Just to let you know, you're, I don't know if you were aware you're back on camera. I thought I might be. <laughs> I wasn't going to get up because I figured it's just too much of a struggle for me. Oh. You know, so I was just going to. Did you say I'm on the camera? No, you were not. On oh, okay, good. The guitar, uh, my messy, my messy uh, shelves. But yeah, um, we can't really tell how messy they are. I can just see books. Okay, <laughs> that's good. So I wanted to share my dream, and then I wonder if you would be open to um, working dream to dream. Sure, absolutely. Great. So um, I had a dream that there was a movie on. I think my sister was watching a movie and it was some kind of wedding celebration. I think it was like a Yemeni wedding celebration. And the people were all, yeah, they were dressed in these beautiful, you know, like, like linen pants and colorful clothing and, um, really it was very spectacular and then i also was thinking maybe it was jordan i wasn't sure what which culture and everyone was dancing and that's why i think it was a wedding everyone was dancing and i i was thinking to myself i wish that we lived in a culture where dancing was like an intrinsic part of our culture you know i really wish that that was the case I mean, the kids dance and the kids have always danced, 
since Footloose. <laughs> what do you mean the kids? What do you, what do you I mean, like the teens, the people in their early 20s, you know. I mean, whatever, people dance, but it's not really a part of the American culture. Or maybe it is. Prove me wrong. Tell me how dancing is a part of the American culture. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's obvious and obviously nightclub culture has right. always been about dancing. Um, yes. Rave scene in particular, which I came in on the tail end of during the 90s, um, was certainly about ecstatic dancing as well as imbibing entheogens to... Uh, Entheogen. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, an entheogen is um, a substance, usually a drug, either oh. synthesized or from a plant source that allows you to engage with the theos, which is theos is the Greek word for God. Yeah. Yes. Of you know the plant. Theosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so entheogens are, you know, usually psychedelics. Um, yes. You know, mushrooms, LSD, some people, a lot of, one of the drugs that was popular in the rave scene, which I never understood how this was, was, um, uh, what is it? God. Um, so they called it Special K. Um, it's oh, ketamine, yeah. I have never, I've never tried ketamine, but that's maybe the only thing I would ever try at this point. Except uh, I, love, I love mushrooms. I'm not talking about them. Yeah. But I mean, ketamine is like a very powerful horse tranquilizer and it was actually- Wow, is it really? <laughs> yeah, that's pre predominantly what it's used for. Um, but it was originally developed as a uh, anesthetic for use in the Vietnam War theater, and possibly even Korea, and they decided to not use it because of the fact that it had these other interesting side effects. Wow. Um, not anticipated. Oh, it tripped out the horses? No, it tripped out the humans. It was no, I know that, but how did, they, how did they discover that? Had it tripped out the horses, and then no, they, they were didn't. like, they, they relegated it to use in the veterinarian arena after having okay. it as a anesthetic in the war theater in Vietnam. Oh wow! Yeah. So this has so a whole history. To you know, people have been shot up, um, literally by you know snipers or what have you, or maybe had their leg blown off. And, oh boy. Yeah, and those folks on a pretty interesting journey, I guess. Yes. Um, and I guess, you know, they decided, oh, no, this isn't really a good drug for this. It's having these undesirable effects. You know, I'm sure people were coming back with stories of encountering entities and so on and so forth, because that's a common thing. But no, I don't, don't understand how this was a popular drug in the dancing, because it literally, like, physically almost paralyzes you and puts you in an out-of-body experience. Wow. So maybe low doses? I don't know. I've never talked to anybody who used it that way, but I seriously don't understand how this was part of the dance rave culture scene at all. 
Um, mushrooms I can totally get. LSD I can totally get. Okay. You know, but some of these other drugs, like that one and what was the other one? Savia. Oh, my God. What? Savia. Salvia. 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 Oh, my yeah, God. Salvia. Did I have an experience on Salvia with, with Carla? Yeah. Salvia divinorum is... That was not a good experience for me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But the LSD, um, oh, you know, not always, but mostly was. <laughs> What little I know about salvia is that it contains the DMT molecule. What? Um, no. What does that mean? Dimethyltryptamine, um, which is very psychoactive. Um, to quote Terrence McKenna, we're all holding because our body produces DMT. Um, right. Penile gland, actually, in the third eye. Yes. Um, naturally. And it all occurs, so we have receptors for it built into our biology. Um, however, it does some pretty interesting things. DMT has been called the businessman's high because I guess the salvia. Say it again. It, what it was called? The businessman's high. The businessman's high. Interesting. Because, yeah, because it's very short acting. Um, oh. It, you know, literally, I guess you could smoke some salvia and you go into an intense trip for 15 minutes and then it leaves your body very quickly um so you don't have like the lingering like strung out weirdness that you have with a lot of other drugs in that class um and i think that term you know was probably from the 1960s or early 70s but i don't think it got popularized that much until uh later on but uh, Terrence McKenna talked about it a lot because he had experimented with it quite a bit. Um, okay. For those of you who don't know who Terrence McKenna is, he was an ethnobiologist who wrote extensively about the uh, co-evolution of psychedelic plants and humans. Um, he actually proposed a theory that mushrooms were actually extraterrestrial in origin. Wow. Wow, that reminds me of a Joe Rogan podcast I once saw um, with, and I wish I could remember this name, the name of the guy, <clears throat> this mushroom guy. He made his own hat out of the mushroom leather, but he was really amazing. But he's, you know, he really felt like the, um, the mushroom kingdom was, I don't know that he would say extraterrestrial, but I almost think of it more as like the fairy, the fairy, um, the fairy folk, you know, the yeah, little people. And, and that's an interesting thing. Terrence McKenna's accounts about DMT and somewhat with mushrooms both involved the idea of disincarnate entities, which, you know, could easily be classified as alien. He used to call the ones with the DMT um, that he encountered the machine elves. That's interesting. Oh, I'm going to find that link. I'm going to send it to you, Brendan. It's really, really good with that guy talking about it. I think Joe Rogan's taken a couple of pages out of McKenna's book. You know, no doubt. Oh, okay. With his work. I've only, you know, listened to a couple of podcasts that he's done because I know he gets a little <laughs> out there sometimes. And yeah, we have a whole lot of woo-woo going on now. I mean, you know, the conspiracy theorists have really upped the ante as far as woo-woo goes, really. Um, 
But yeah, the idea that DMT was connected with these disincarnate entities, McKenna refers to them as machine elves, wow. um, as being that they kind of like ran things behind the scenes. And a lot of people who have had those experiences report like having these things present to you and, you know, be like, quick, go down this tunnel now. Wait, don't, you know, <laughs> hurry or it's going to be too late. And you go, and pop like from one universe into another wow lots of, yeah it was my my experience on the salvia so you know i used to do hallucinogenics i mean i was a deadhead <laughs> and and an explorer and always wanting to find the spiritual to, because i knew that the spiritual existed and people didn't talk about it so um so yeah so I, I love the mushrooms and, you know, I've done LSD, of course, but um, the salvia for me was like, I was suddenly in this cold steel, almost like a waiting room. And it was like, it was like, it was like, like purgatory waiting room. I swear. I mean, I'm Jewish. We don't have purgatory, but this shit was real. And I, and I was in there and then all of a sudden, my dog, who's deceased now, but Toby, um, he was a sticker. He was only a sticker. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I thought, okay, I've died. And I was like, I don't want Toby to just be a sticker. I want him to be my dog, you know? <laughs> and I just, I had a hard time. And no. what's that? So he became like two-dimensional? He became two-dimensional. He became a sticker. I mean, that was very upsetting to me. And then I I really wasn't having a good time of it. I think because of my friend was like, oh, you've tripped out a lot here, smoke a bunch of it. You know, it's like, no, it's different, it's different. So um, so then I, I held on to her dog and he kind of like pulled me and pulled me out of that trip. And then I just cried, I wept because I just felt like, life is such a blessing you know it's i don't want to experience not life for a long time yet yeah i think it's it's interesting there's a commonality between psychedelic experience and the dream world um in that yes you know our brain just tries to process all the information and tends to reframe everything um in the language of symbols um and it's often difficult to unravel it and figure out what it means. But I know, you know, with a number of my experiences, like coming back to a normal frame of consciousness, I have been left with that feeling that um, similar to the idea of like your dog being two dimensional, that right. the world that we live in currently is almost like a cartoon cutout compared yeah. to that hyper yes. real hyper dimensionality um your audio really low so let's work on my dream so the people your, were... your audio level went way down i don't oh know. i'm sorry my, I, because i picked there my mic go. up because i, I had a sip of coffee. So I said, let's work on my dream a little. Yeah. 
can we? All right, so you can lead the process. Okay, um, just a quick review of the dream. So I go into a room and my sister is there watching a movie and, um, and it, it's people dressed and I, I think it's Yemenite, Yemeni, Yemeni people. Um, and then I think maybe Jordan and they're dressed in beautiful, like, like flowing wide ankled pants and the colors of red and gold. And I think it's probably a wedding because um, everyone is dancing, everyone is dancing. And then my, my strong feeling in that moment was, I really wish that our American culture also had dancing as such a powerful part of our culture. And then you're, you're telling me I'm, I'm misjudging America or something. What do you think, Brendan? Yeah, um, so just to try to um, focus on some of, some of the symbology in the dream, um, in the room that your sister is watching television, is that some, is it a place you're familiar with or is it just like it's, some generic place? It's not, it's not a real place. It's like, it's like a, a little TV. It's not like everyone's watching these big screen, flat screen TVs these days. It's not that. It's like a little almost I mean it's a, a color it's a color TV like what kind a CRT screen I don't, ray tube. I don't know what that means the boob um, tube the normal like, <laughs> the, 70s, 80s, the, the boob tube boobs. yes <laughs> so um so that's on like reality but it's like uh, so there's a, a little TV sitting on like a corner table and she's watching okay um, being that that's kind of an archaic form of technology, is there a sense that this is a different time? Wow. As I was just saying that, I was thinking, was it a different time also? And I don't recall. I mean, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it wasn't that different. It wasn't like, like a couple hundred years ago. I think my sister looked like she did when she first went to college. Okay. So she's now in her fifties, but she looked like so so let's see if she graduated high school in eighty six. So the end of the eighties. Yeah. That That's what sense. it felt like. Okay. Um that's interesting. Um and she's watching a wedding on television. Mm -hmm. Um think back to that time in your life, um, about what was going on and was there anything that sticks out to you that might relate to the idea of a wedding or a celebration of that sort? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, at that time, I, I had a beloved boyfriend, John, Johnny, and um, but we weren't talking about marriage. You know, we just were enjoying our relationship and um yeah so i don't i don't really know okay what was um, going the only sorry ben and the only other thing the only other thing is that um m my mom was diagnosed with cancer around that time around that time okay in in like waking life 
Um, okay. So she's watching a wedding on television, and I'm curious what made you say Yemeni and what your association is with that particular culture. Yeah, and then I was I was wondering. I mean, is are the Yemeni people? Are they from Yemen? Yeah, there's a people from Yemen. I mean, I don't actually even know. They just seem like an exotic um, culture to me with, you know, beautiful clothes and beautiful jewelry and uh, probably a Muslim nation. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I, I was focusing on that a little bit because, you know, being that you are of Jewish heritage, uh, Yemen is actually part of you know, that whole area with the United Arab Emirates, they're an Arabic country. Yes. Predominantly Muslim, I think, Sunni. I'd have to double check. I'm not sure. Okay. They've been in an armed conflict now for quite a while with Saudi Arabia. There's been a lot of interesting allegations of human rights violations, uh, you know, from the Saudis against them. Um, I think actually, I'd have to double check this and fact check this, but I want to say that at least one of the people involved in 9-11 was a Yemenite. Um, oh, really? There was prior to 9-11 that attack on a U.S. frigate, I think, that was launched in the port of Yemen as well. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's interesting that you would be pulling them. Uh, I'm not sure what your feeling is about, you know, people in the Arabic world in general and you know, how you relate to that as being of Jewish ancestry. Because um, there are a lot of mixed feelings about that, you know, among people of Jewish ancestry. They, you know, I've, I've even known people who, you know, I will not name names, um, but you and I know someone, a mutual friend of ours who is a musician who has spent a good amount of time in Israel, um, who initially um, was kind of like pro peace between the Arabic nations and spent a lot of time with the Bedouin people mm. who kind of has flipped over to the other side. Um, That's a hard one. I mean, yeah. the Amer American Jews, like the, the hard line is like Israel, you know, it's for the people and uh, Zionism and the, um, you know, the thinking Jews are saying, hey, you know, what? don't keep building the settlements and I love I love the group. Um, oh, what's that group? I really like. Oh, I hope to think about it. I hope to remember it before the end. Um, and they're just like, I I don't see, I don't see how this is ever going to come to peace until there is a two state solution. I believe that. I don't think. I don't think. Maybe. I mean, prove me wrong. I hope that that the two peoples can actually get together to run a, a advanced nation yeah so in the dream you're seeing like people you know celebrating um yes. the thing that popped in my head um immediately when you were describing it is um in the tarot deck the three of cups okay which is the, the card that's sometimes referred to as joy or celebration it usually depicts like people toasting and sometimes there's like what appears to be like a chuppah in the background, which oh. you know is used in a lot of different cultures, but also in Judaism. Yes, you know, it's like something for a wedding. Um, yes, 
I've witnessed a couple of weddings like this. And it's really we, we got married under a chuppah. That huh? was, I got married under a chuppah. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, it was and beautiful. My friend Krista made it for me. It's just beautiful chuppah. And um, that was her wedding gift to me. It was just awesome. Yeah, and throughout that entire region, the Middle East and Mediterranean era, area, um, there's dancing is a huge part of the culture. Yes. Um, so many of the, those cultures all do some variation on grapevine. Um, okay. Dances. Oh, yeah, like circle dances. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that to me is like the essence of that. Um, and you know, it's interesting you say about dancing in American culture. I've been personally involved for a number of years, not so much lately, with a local dance uh, organization called the Freestyle Frolic, which is part of a larger group called Dance New England, um, which basically promotes sober um, freestyle dancing. So basically, you know, it's like the whole instruction is dance like nobody's watching. You're able, you know, to express yourself however. Well, I, I love that. And I love the freestyle frolic that we have here. And in other hip places around the country, there's also just free dancing spaces to explore yeah. your physicality and dance with one another. What do yeah, they call that? Contact. Cont I, so I've never done that because I don't like people that much. <laughs> No, I'm just Contact kidding. Improv is, is a subsection <laughs> of that because that actually came out of the modern dance movement. Okay. Um, so yeah, there are people involved in those dances who are very involved in contact improv, but it's not focused on contact improv. And there are other dances like in New York City, there's Barefoot Boogie. So back to the idea of dance. Um, yes. How do you feel about the idea of dancing? And do you wish you could dance yourself? And what do you feel when you witness other people dance? Oh, boy. That's an unexpected question. <laughs> I, I used to love to dance. I was a deadhead, as I said. I, I used to go to bars when I lived in Boulder. I used to go dancing. I've seen many bands. and. Um, I love it. I love it. I mean, and the other funny thing about that is I was thinking, you know, everyone's asking this question, what, what are you going to do when you get out of quarantine? And I was thinking, wow, I just I really would like to dance with my husband, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, but I, I guess, and I guess it's very much a part of the Jewish culture, the wedding culture the dancing, the circle dancing. They even lift people up in chairs, but I wouldn't let them lift me up at my wedding. I was like, no, I'm already so off balance. It's not a good idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, dancing is awesome and essential in my life. I just don't feel like it's a big part of the culture. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, I think it's, you know, segments of the culture, but it's, interesting that you connected it to something that seems to be a very specific um, cultural origin. Um, I think one of the ways that dance manifests in the United States is within these kind of like ethnic or yes. you know, 
home place of origin. Yes. Um, you know, subcultures, I guess, if you will. I, like, I think you're right about that. Greek, Greek weddings are known for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, another thing, you know, smashing plates and, you know, doing, you know, great, great fine dances. And stuff. Yes. Um, and it's like a very visible expression of hanging on to your your culture yeah yeah your root culture um yes and it's also it's an expression of joy yeah it's an expression of joy like that's why we're dancing at weddings we're so you know or you know perhaps we don't feel that but the people around us are feeling that so we can (laughs) jump on that bandwagon but i think that's it's such an expression of joy to move one's body Oh and, yeah, and you know, dancing is very big part of even mainstream American mm. weddings. I mean, obviously. Oh right, that's really so true. A DJ who you know is calling out, you know, I don't know. Give me some examples. I know there's some popular ones. That <laughs> oh, I yeah, I know. I chose other songs for my wedding. I yeah, chose. I mean, they give you a playlist, and they say, "Hey, we can do this." And... Right. Yeah, I don't know what they play at regular American weddings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know. Oh, you know what it is? We are family. I've got all my sisters and me. <laughs> but some of these have some very, like, specific choreographed steps. And it seems like right. a lot of the people. The margarina. Margarita? Something. No, uh, margarina. Macarena. Hey, Macarena. I oh. never learned it, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm horrible at those things too because I'm not like really involved in pop culture. So right. Like on the periphery of my awareness, but I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, I can try to follow along if you're gonna drag me on the dance floor. <laughs> really not part of my you know experience, and I kind of find it silly. I really yes. love the fact that people enjoy it. So I mean, in that sense. It is part of American culture. It's just yes. not something we see a lot. American bandstand, um, when it was yeah. on television, yes. they would often like have these dances, like they'd introduce a new hit song and there'd be the dance that went along with it. Um, it seems to harken to an older era, which is something that I see it being echoed in your reading, ah. um, in that it's being placed, you know, Everything's kind of squashed and far away and small and on this small cathode yes. ray tube um, from the 1980s, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. It seems to me like if it were my dream, it's almost like a longing for something, like a longing for connectivity, like these people who yeah. you're seeing on the television. Um they're from a different culture that's very involved in their culture. Yes. They're celebrating, they're enjoying their joy together, and they're celebrating a wedding. Yes. Which, you know, is about union and coming close right. to one another. Right. And yet they're sticking close to their ethnic roots and celebrating that um, through movement, which, as yes. you, know, you know, if our viewers aren't already aware, you know, Jessica has MS. Um, Dancing like that is probably not anything she's going to be doing anytime soon. Um, so if it were my dream, and I and I actually have some physical difficulty with movement now myself as a result of my diabetes, um, 
so I can relate to that, um, wanting to be able to move and wanting to be able to dance and just not being able to in those, that intense longing that that brings up. Mm. Um, and I can relate that to our current quarantine situation because dancing is a very intimate act. Um, you know, when you're dancing with people in a group, you're exchanging energy, like, through movement. Um, my experience with the frolic has been very much like that, where, like, people weave in and out of one another, and they come mm -hmm. in and dance close to you, and there's an energetic exchange where, you know, maybe you mirror, mirror each other's movements or something, and then you drift off. It's kind of like planets. Yes. A little whirl and twirl thing with each other. Yes. But, uh... I can totally relate that because that would be, for me right now, that sounds like heaven to be able to go to do that. Yeah, for me, heaven would be like, well, I don't know. If we're going back to the 80s, that's great because then I can see Jerry. <sighs> for me, heaven would be a Grateful Dead concert. And then the crowds dancing, you know, in fact the band's playing oh that's not a good word to use during a pandemic you know it inspires the band's playing and the band's playing inspires the crowd's dancing and it's an exchange of energy in that way also yeah and having never been to a dead concert um something i always had been curious about simply because i was curious about the subculture because it wasn't I was part of. Um, I always had a lot of deadhead friends, like in the 80s and early 90s. Um, you know, most of them were college students at the time, and I was of that age as well. So I understood something about the culture, and I never really got exposed to the culture until I went to um, the Woodstock uh, reunion concert that happened every year at the original uh, site in Bethel. Yes, yes. That was the year that Jerry died, and uh -huh. The atmosphere was really lovely. Like people were really like friendly and open, and there was a lot of interesting exchange going on. So yes, something that it was punk. an American scene. It was an American movement. You know, yeah, uniquely American. Uniquely American movement. Yeah. So um, I I love that. Right. Sorry. How did that dream end, Jessica? How does that dream end? Um, well, I actually didn't say the end because I didn't want to deal with it. But in the end of the dream, so I'm trying to watch this TV show, movie, and my little boy Lev has his laptop on and it's distracting. And so I ask him to go elsewhere with his computer so I can watch mine TV. In the dream? Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to share that because I felt like that's <laughs> definitely. I mean, that could be day residue, mm -hmm. but it could some other stuff. Um, There's a lot of stuff around about that for me right now. You know, screen, yeah, so I just. That were my dream, uh, I'm seeing my young child who represents the new, who's now in this, you know, archaic 1980s world, but he's got a piece of modern technology, which is distracting. And taking away from my experience of the now of this, you know, 1980s retro moment I'm having. Um, hmm. And I feel like that way with my son sometimes. Yes. Like 
all about the memes, man. The <laughs> yeah, um, these guys are, the little boys are about the memes. Yeah. Um, but even the teenagers, it's not like, and it's right. early 20-somethings. And wow. It's <laughs> funny because my generation, who were like some of the earlier um, pioneers. Computer pioneers. In a lot of ways, yes. The ones who invented the whole concept. Yes. Know, part of like something we made and it's been totally commandeered um, and repurposed and now we are boomers and don't know anything about memes, you know, because Don't call me are, a boomer. I'm Gen no, X. I know. I'm the same and I stand by it. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that the boomer terms really gotten essentially to mean anybody who's a little bit clueless about modern technology. <laughs> it's interesting. I know a number of people like in my peer group who still have AOL and Yahoo accounts. Yeah, me too. I know every time I see someone still uses AOL. It's always so surprising. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like trying to get unemployment, one of the things that one of the unemployment consultants told me and told our entire group was that if you have an AOL account, get rid of it oh really well you know automatically because ageism is real okay and somebody hiring seeing an aol account is automatically going to oh oh wow automatic. a hiring tool yeah <laughs> awesome so let me ask you this brendan about your dream is there anything you would like to know in particular about your dream Yeah, I mean, I started to unpack a little bit of it myself. Um, I'm trying to sort out why dinosaurs, really. And, yes. You know, I've gotten a few hits um, internally on this. Um, I was one of those kids who really loved dinosaurs and used to play dinosaur scenarios. Awesome. Um, and this scene was very much like something in the show Land of the Lost, which was yes. in the 70s, where yes. you know, a lot of the cases, there'd be like a Tronosaurus Rex coming at you. They would put the crystals in the computer in the cave or whatever. It was the father and the two kids, right? Yeah. The Land of the Lost. Yeah, and the, the people who developed the crystal technology were the sleeve stack, which were lizard people. Sleeve stack, yes. You know, oh my god yeah and they were using it to manipulate time that that was a some sort of time machine right um, in the, the pylons that were all over the place wow. um part of that probably fostered my love for crystals wow <laughs> i love it now we're getting deep into yeah. your psyche yeah, brendan <laughs> um, another funny thing there was a little bit of day residue in this because my partner's children you know, have arguments with each other. And the younger girl took a plastic triceratops <laughs> and threw it at her brother, which hit him in the eye. Oh, no. Yeah, we're talking like a oh. away from oh. to the ER. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, especially with, you know, hard plastic object with horns. Yeah, exactly. Um, triceratops, three horns. <laughs> But we, you know, she joked about it. She's like, things you never thought you'd have to say, but you know, now had to say because you have children. It's like, don't ever throw a triceratops at your brother. Ever again. Um, uh, yeah, so Stegosauruses are equally spiky. Yeah. Um, 
So there was this thing about the spikiness, I think that was a related thing. Yeah. Um, there was also something mm. that dawned on me this morning. Bristling. Uh, when I was young, my, my mom worked in a drugstore and they had a large news section and she'd buy me comic books. And one of them was a Marvel comic of Conan the Barbarian. And I forget what story it is, but there's a scene in there where he's traveling and he comes on this woman who is one of his fellow adventurers. He's been tracking for several days and they get attacked by a Stegosaurus. I think they call really? It. Yeah. And the Stegosaurus is like literally like trying to climb up the hill and oh wow, something else just came to me. Um, and it's trying to climb up the cliff and nearly gets to them. And yes, Conan recognizes that <laughs> there are some fruit trees nearby, which he had earlier warned Valeria, who is the woman who he'd been tracking, not me because they're deadly poison. And he realizes that he can use it against this. And he dips his spear point in the fruit poison and it jams the thing down this thing's throat and it kills it. But did you feel in your dream threatened by, by oh, life yeah, and limb? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I was afraid that this thing was going to chop my legs off when it was climbing up the ladder. Wow. It got that close. I mean, I could feel its breath and I could see all of its teeth. And even though the thing's an herbivore, it had sharp teeth. It would need them for crunching leaves. Not sharp teeth. Not sharp. Just no. wait, we, do we talked about this last podcast yeah, no, I know. about and the teeth. <laughs> I mean, here's this thing that's very draconic. <laughs> You know, and it's, you know, showing its teeth. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, here we go again with this whole thing about yes. interwoven. With one did you ever see, not see, did you ever read the book Danny and the Dinosaur? Probably. This little boy who loves dinosaurs and he ends up like riding on one and whatever. It makes all these imaginations of other dinosaurs um, being around. But, um, yeah, that just reminded me of when you were telling the dream. I was like, wow, is he going to get on its back? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I always probably had fantasies of riding like uh, something like a pterodon. Um, riding a dragon seriously has been one of my fantasies for my entire life. If I was going to be able to design a virtual reality experience, that would probably be one. Um, really? Yeah. Just I wonder if riding the dragon is like so symbolic in so many ways. I bet you can um find a choose your own adventure book about that. Oh, probably. I mean, <laughs> I'm playing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yeah, where, right. You told me when you had started that. How's that you're going? You're gonna want to move your mic again. Your volume dropped. Oh, sorry. Again, I was okay. touching um, my face. Yeah, I mean, I just started an online D and D campaign with some other yes. people who are my peers, actually. Um, That's why I wanted you and Lee on this call because oh, he also D &D. plays D and D, and he has right. he had a whole. They also like uh, ascribe certain movie actors to the characters so that you have a sense of like who to picture. So yeah, I've, I learned a lot about the pop culture that way. Army Hammer. Oh yeah. Army, do you know who that is? Who? 
Army Hammer. Army Hammer? Mm hmm. <laughs> well, I have learned who that is. You'll have yeah, to look, like look him up. Every campaign is unique, so I don't know if he's got non-player characters that are unique to the campaign he's working with. He, he um, said he's a full-size orc. Okay. He, he said usually orcs can only be half-size, but he made a deal with whomever, and now he's a full-size orc. Okay. Is that his player character? Mm -hmm. Or is it, he's playing as an orc? And he's gay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And he has, so oh, he's not gay. No, he's not gay. He's transgender and he has children. They, them, orc. Okay. He has children. Oh, so he identifies as a key. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, we've got a character in our campaign who is a half orc. Yeah. It's Grim Orc. <laughs> the guy who plays it does it really well. Like, you know, very brutal. Um, yeah, it's interesting how like something a game like that allows you to express aspects of yourself. Yes. Um, I can remember like as a teenager playing dark elves on a couple of occasions um, to try to get like, in my shadow side to a degree. What kind of elves? Dark elves. Dark so, elves? Yeah, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, there are different kinds of elves, like similar to Lord of the Rings. Tolkien, you've got, yeah. You've got high elves sure. um, who are kind of noble and kind of snotty, actually. They kind of sound Yeah, they're like, they're like the, they're like, huh. the icy. <laughs> they're like, we've been on the earth for thousands of millennia. Elderon? Isn't that? And babies. And you are not worthy of our. <laughs> Um, most of the time, um, wood elves are kind of ribald and live in the yes. forest and like drink mead and wine. And yes, they're, they're the elves that <gasps> Frodo and the dwarves encounter in uh, the Hobbit. Mm -hmm. elves. And then there's gray elves, which are kind of somewhere in between, um, in Lord of the Rings, Celeborn, who is Galadriel's uh consort. Is what's her, uh, what's her name? What's her Galadriel. name? Galadriel is the queen. Galadriel is the queen and yeah. the king of Lothlorien, which means dream flower, is Celeborn. Lothlorien means dream flower? Yep. Then let's use that for, I'm always wondering what I should end with. <laughs> you know, I was wanting to yeah. do three dreams in different languages. Dream flower, yeah. I mean, dream flower. Of the forest of Lothlorien. Lothlorien. Um, Lothlorien right. is this beautiful forest with these trees called Malorn, which resemble oversized birch trees. Uh, sorry, not birch trees, beech trees. Like your beautiful, smooth, smooth, smooth bark. Yep. And the leaves are similar, but they bloom these flowers, which is hence how the forest gets its name. Lothlorien. Love it. So um, now, that's an awesome dream. My my little boy was a very dinosaur kid, and I didn't know about dinosaurs because when my older boy was little, he was a Waldorf kid, so he didn't he didn't ever play with dinosaurs. It's a different culture in a way, and so but Lev does or did. He's ten now, but he used to love dinosaurs. So he had like a big stag, a saurus, and he had a big tri 
uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex and Triceratops and many, many of these fun characters. What's your, what's your association with them? I mean, does it at all, I'm going to, I guess I'll make my own association instead of asking it that way. But if this were my dream, I, um, I'm wondering if this has anything to do with anything at all about evolution or how evolution is taught. You know, I know that that's a real sore spot for fundamentalist Christians yeah. to teach about dinosaurs. You know, yeah, they... As I was growing up, I was very much a kid like Lev in regards, like totally fascinated with yes, dinosaurs. Yes, yes. Um, I had an inner conflict with some of that because I was raised Catholic, you know, which essentially Catholics are creationists. Um, and this was a huge conundrum for me because I understood science. I understood that the physical evidence of fossils was there, that there was no way to explain away these creatures. Um, so I actually came up, you know, in order to try to placate my conflicted mind, the idea that was that the book of Genesis was talking about days, but the days were God's days, which could be hundreds of thousands, if not longer cycles. Of I, I like the um, theory that, right, the Lord had to plant, put these in the earth so the humans could discover them so that they can really have stronger faith to test our faith that we believe in you know the literal bible yeah, I, I think that that's a uh cop out because yeah i do too you can't just explain it away <laughs> and, and some some denominations go so far as to say that oh fossils were put there by satan to trick people uh, by satan and, you know, if you're going to be that staunchly evolutionist, why is it so difficult to get your head around the idea that God or whatever you believe as the supreme being doesn't have the anthropocentric view of time that we do? Mm -hmm. That time for beings it's... that are greater than us is different. This is how uh, a lot of people explain, J Jewish people in mystic, mystic Judaism explain like the days of creation. Because before there was a sun and a moon, there wasn't a 24 hour day, you know? So it, it might've been like this many millions of years and each day, we don't know, we don't know. So we're trying to uh, keep the Genesis story as like the, the creation story. But yeah, I mean, if it, if it's that important to someone to like, I don't know, take the literal King James version of the Bible um, as gospel truth, which it seems to be, you know, such a sacred cow to so many people, then okay, you know, at least try to have it make some kind of sense. You know, there are older versions of the story of Genesis. I'm sure I haven't read any of the uh, Red Sea, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls um, myself, but I know that you know many versions of the Bible existed before the one that we've been given, and stuff has been translated from Aramaic into yes. Greek and all these yes. other languages, 
every time there's a translation, you end up with a new variation on that. Yeah, it's a little bit of an editorial, you know, when you yeah, translate. Yeah, there's your... always some kind of editorial stuff going yeah. on. Um, yep. But back to my fascination with dinosaurs, I think another thing it points to with regard to evolution is the idea that we are a result of millions of years of evolution on the planet. Part of our evolutionary development, um, which is geared in the gestation period in the womb, as you can see, like, you know, what happens when you start with a zygote and it goes through these various phases, one in which it has a tail and everything. Yes. Um, all of that's still contained in our DNA. And what is it, the amygdala, the base of the brain is yes. called the lizard brain. Yes. Um, Brain, brainstem. To refer to that as he had a uh, ten-circuit model of human consciousness, and the very first Timothy story, Leary. Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary, who did all that. I just want to bring it around again. Who did LSD trials at Harvard, in yeah. you know, in his younger years. Yeah, and when he, he was, was a young man, involved in a lot of other science prior to that. I mean, he became famous for his involvement with LSD, but mm -hmm. you know, he was doing a lot of other research prior to that. Mm -hmm. um, and his model of consciousness involved this 10-level system of circuits, which get activated at different stages in life. And the base circuit, which could also have be related to the chakra system, yeah. um, the root chakra and the base circuit kind of have mm. a mirror capability, and it's all about bio-survival. Mm. It's the part of you that is territorial, that thinks me first, um, that is reactionary. And it's the fight or flight yeah. or freeze. That's the one right. that fight, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. And the lizard brain is the one that gets engaged when we're in aggressive territorial mode. So yeah, some of that's yeah. probably coming up for me. Um, I've been dealing with my own issues around aggression, you know, mm -hmm. everything going on. I've had a lot of issues with personal anger that have been coming up that I've okay. been going with. Yes. So, I mean, this could be a manifestation of that. Um, I'm wow. Of, like, prickly. You, you said the prickles, you know, the prickly. What? The prickles, I mean, the uh, points. The points on the dinosaur, and like the prickliness. Yeah. One feels yeah. when they're angry. And I had, a, I had something come up me recently about hawthorn. Um, hawthorn is a tree that has large spikes on it too. Mm. So, but the other piece that just clicked into place for me as I was talking about it was a bit about the poison apple. Um, mm. I got to remember if that's how the dragon gets killed in the Golden Fleece, which is where that bit about the dragon's teeth comes from. Mm. Um, but I had a recent experience in my life where I posted something about someone poisoning my well. So, oh. meaning in this case, somebody kind of stirring the pot or, you know, meddling in things that yes. they had ought not meddle in. Yes. And I had a very angry reaction to that idea and posted, you know, anybody posting, anybody who's poisoning my well. That's right. to look well to be prepared to drink of that poison themselves. Yes. Um, There's a fierceness. You know, it's I good. very much like evaluating all the stuff around that and trying to unpack some of that. Um, 
Yes. I often find it's very true. There's you know, an adage that when you are spitting poison yourself, you usually end up poisoning yourself. In some right. Way. Right. What is usually the end result of anger and aggression? Yes. Um, so yeah, maybe I'm being forced to look at this a little more closely. You know, maybe the dinosaurs an aspect of my shadow coming out. It's coming right up to my window. Right at me. Yeah. It's you know, I'm and it's to where I live in my new place. It's it's waiting for me there. You know, this anger is not abated. The the stag is waiting for me at my new apartment. Yeah, it's not gonna go away. It's I not. I I gotta make. I I've got to do the work, the self work. It's it's my. When I realized I moved around a lot in my early twenties, and when I realized this adage that everybody knows, wherever you go, there you are. I was so disappointed. I was just like. <laughs> My theme song was "You're running and you're running and you're running away," Bob Marley. But you can't run away from yourself. So, um, yeah, and there I was, wherever I went. So I had to do my own work. So I, I have to live with me more than anybody else in the world. I have to do my own work to uh, enjoy being alone more. <laughs> Yeah, and whatever dragons or dinosaurs we have hiding in our closets, they're waiting for us. Yeah, yes. But they'll come at the opportune time. So we just. What? They'll come at the opportune time. Yeah. So we just need to trust the unfolding as always. And, you know, and I always say pray. (laughs) It doesn't have to be praying, like prayer, praying. But, um, you know, pray for assistance or what, whatever you reach to uh, in your higher self. Thank you. Well, thank you, Brandon. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for our dream group. There are a couple more people that may or may not come as we do this weekly. So we'll find out. Um, oh, and we were going to do that lucid dreaming thing, Brendan. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything yeah, about that. Nor have I. I mean, I really haven't had a lot of space to, like, kind of ramp myself up into that. Okay. It does require a little bit of time. For yeah, sure. Reading and meditation and focus. I had shared in, in a very old Dream Stream episode, I think it was episode two, about the most magnificent lucid dream that I have had. I'll share that next next group and then uh, hopefully we can, you know, hopefully we can try to get lucid in our dreams. Very cool. Yeah, Tell me again, Loglorian? No, Lothorian. Lothlorian. Dream. Dream Lorian means forest. Dream forest? Yeah, well, it's yeah, combination of also been called dream flower i don't remember um, i love the dream forest because there are some darker shadowy places in the dream forest not in lothlorien there aren't but yeah in a, in a literal dream forest that right it's a literal dream. right so brendan really great to hang out and um 
best of luck to you and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, you too, Jessica. Stay well. You too. Bye, viewers.